1: Jesus didn't
0: choose the cross. His social opponents chose to answer him with a cross. Jesus chose a life of calling his society to justice, like the Hebrew prophets within his own Jewish tradition, even if they threatened to kill him for doing it. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 366, and our title is Being Sent for the Work of Justice. This week's lectionary reading is from John's version of the Jesus story. It's John 20, 19 through 31. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders... Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me and you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, The Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. There is a lot in this passage that would be tempting uh, to to, to focus on this week. Thomas's doubt, uh, Jesus having a physical body that can be touched and that feels hunger post Easter, despite John's gospel being associated with early Gnosticism, as Irenaeus says, and against heresies. I'll put a reference to that comment in, in this week's e-site. But what jumps out at me the most this year is this phrase, As the Father has sent me... I am sending you this theme of, of following Jesus example repeats with the the community around which the writing the the, the writings that are attributed to John are are are, are associated in first John 2 verse 6 it says whoever says I abide in him ought also to walk just as he walked the the Jesus of John's story doesn't do things instead of us as our substitutes so that we don't have to do them this jesus calls his followers to participate in his actions alongside of him. And this idea isn't only in John's gospel. Consider this passage from Mark. This is Mark 10:38. Jesus said to them, "You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with?" They replied, "We are able." Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. As Marcus Borg and, and John Dominic Crossan write in their book, The Last Week, What the Gospels Really Teach About Jesus' Final Days in Jerusalem, they write for Mark, the story is more about participation with Jesus than substitution by Jesus. Mark has those followers recognized enough of that challenge that they change the subject and avoid the issue every time. And I'll put the the reference for that in this week's Eastside as well, the page number. But, But over the last few weeks, we've discussed the harmful teaching that suffering is somehow redemptive. I don't believe that Jesus invites us into his death, but he does invite us into following the example of his life, even if unjust, oppressive systems threaten us with death for doing so. And I understand there's a, this is a subtle difference in interpretation, but I believe it creates a huge difference in how we respond to injustice. Suffering some type of pushback for speaking out against injustice, that may be part of of our story, but not because it's intrinsic to following Jesus. I don't believe we have to die to reach Jesus's vision for human society. He showed us a path toward distributively just living. And death only enters the picture when those who, who are threatened by a distributively just world choose to threaten death or, or some other penalty if we keep stirring up trouble and, and disturbing the unjust status quo. I believe this is a much healthier, Alternate interpretation, too, uh, to being willing to take up Jesus's cross and following him. Rather than calling us to be passive in the face of injustice, don't define the cross that way. Jesus calls us to action, even if the action should end up with us being put on a cross. It's not about choosing to die. It's about choosing life, even in the face of death. Jesus didn't choose the cross. His social opponents chose to answer him with a cross. Jesus chose a life of calling his society to justice, like the Hebrew prophets within his own Jewish tradition, even if they threatened to kill him for doing it. So so what does it mean to follow Jesus's life? And in the words of our passage this week, to be sent as Jesus was sent. Well, I resonate deeply with the characterization of Jesus that we find in Luke's gospel. In Luke 4, 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim uh, the release to the prisoners. He is uh, to proclaim the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this declaration, it invites some questions of us. Is the good news that we cherish, is it also good news to the poor? Is the good news that we cherish also good news to the incarcerated? Is the good news that we cherish also good news to oppressed and marginalized people? Is the Lord's favor that we so cherish also good news to those who are longing for their debt to be canceled in a, in a jubilee-type fashion. Uh, we, we have to be careful not to spiritualize these elements. People didn't get put on Roman crosses for talking about spiritual transformation. Romans killed people who made claims about concrete changes to the status quo and a status quo that benefited some in society at the expense of, of the many. So, so what does, what is... What does concrete good news look like in our social context today, especially for those who are materially poor or physically incarcerated, socially and economically oppressed, exploited or or marginalized or so deeply indebted that they feel like they're never going to be free? First, I think of our current. Criminal justice system, and those in various areas of the United States that are right now having their charges expunged due to the legalization of cannabis. I think of the calls of uh, for universal health care. Uh, how so many families have to file for bankruptcy when they become sick, even if they do have health insurance. I think of the calls to to forgive student loans that are so inescapable that they even impact seniors in retirement. Or, or our trans or non-binary siblings, they, they also come to mind, especially with last Thursday, April 1st, being International Transgender Visibility Day. I wonder how good news from Christians to this oppressed and marginalized community specifically could be so very different if, if we would stop to listen Uh, and to believe their experiences, including their harmful experiences from our hands. And secondly, there's a phrase in this week's passage that has been Deeply harmful to our Jewish Jewish siblings. In one translation, the passage states, "On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews." And I'm thankful that the translators of the NIV at least altered their translation to say "Jewish leaders." It's a change that that lends room for distinguishing between classes in the society where where the story took place. But the, the gospel writers are clear that the Jewish common people, they loved Jesus. You can find that in Mark 14 too. But but with each successive version of the Jesus story when it was told or written down, first with Mark and then Matthew and Luke and, and then finally with John, anti-Semitic hatred or or fear of the Jewish people, it continues to grow more and more in the telling. And it's barely present in Mark, but by the time we get to John, as in our passage this week, it's full-blown. Just simply, we can do better we can do better today. Fear of the Jews has a long and violent history in the Christian tradition, and we can choose to tell the Jesus story better and in and, and a more life-giving and different way uh, today. And lastly, I want to draw attention in this passage to the scars of injustice that are remaining on Jesus's body in this story. This is not a story that promises that all the scars of past injustice will one day disappear. They may not. This story points the way for people to make reparations for past mistakes and to make better choices today that move us closer to a more distributively just future, God's just future. And and it's to the work of creating that just future. In our present world, that we are sent today. As he was sent back then, that's the point of the passage this week. So are we. Now, heart group application this week. We at Renewed Heart Ministries are continuing to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Please stay virtually connected. Practice your physical distancing when you go out, and, and when you do uh, go out, please remember to to wear a mask and continue to, to wash your hands and stop the, stop to stop the spread of the virus. We are so close to this being behind us. Uh, I know here in our county. Here in West Virginia, we're at about a 50% vaccination rate. So the goal is about 70 to 75, but uh, we're just getting closer to that every day. And it's exciting to see this uh, 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 this chapter of, of our social history come to uh, a change, a turn. So this is also a time, remember, when we can practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid that's found in the Gospels, make sure that others in your heart group have what they need right now this is a time to to work together and to prioritize still protecting those that are the most the most vulnerable among us number one this week share something that spoke to you from this week's esight or podcast episode with your heart group number two what are some parallels that you notice in luke 4 18 through 19 with the much needed social justice work in our society today and discuss that with your group and then number three what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.